Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. All right, we get to have some fun with the story this morning. In today's reading, we get to witness an event, an event that was so large in scale, so well executed, so well attended, it's hard to believe that it was put on by a bunch of just normal people. Maybe it was the size of the event we're going to read about, the sheer number of people that showed up. Maybe it was the food, a mind-boggling amount of people who ate dinner that night. Maybe it was just the intangible wow factor. Whatever the reasons are, today's story, it caught the eye of the early church. And in fact, it's the only miracle story that's recorded in all four of our Gospels. Something about that day caught Matthew, Mark, Luke, John's eye, and it has caught the eye of believers ever since. And so, friends, how about we give it a little read with the hopeful expectation that God might have something to to say to our world, our lives, uh, this morning. A reading from Matthew 14, 14 to 21. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed those who were sick. That evening, the disciples came and said to him, this is an isolated place, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, there's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here except five loaves of bread and two fish. And he said, well, bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, and broke the loaves apart and gave them to his disciples. The disciples gave them to the crowd. Everyone ate until they were full, and they filled 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men, plus women and children, had eaten. This is the word of God for the people of God this morning. Thanks be to God. Now, that's a compact little telling of a miraculous story. All right, the movement's all in the verbs. Jesus, he had compassion, he healed, he ordered, took, looked, blessed, broke, and gave. By the end of the tenth sentence, fish and bread are multiplied, passed out. 5,000 people were well fed. I apologize for this joke, so I'm putting it at the beginning. There's no doubt that Eric Falfez's food was better. But 700 pounds of pork shoulder in a field of hungry Jews would have created a moral dilemma. <laughs> All right, now that we got the bad kosher joke out of the way, let's keep going with our story. <laughs> it begins as Jesus arrives in this deserted place, only to be greeted by a large crowd, apparently 5,000 people. And did you catch Jesus' response when he first sees them? says he had compassion on them. I wonder why that's an important note in, in all four tellings of this story. If we would have read the verses that directly led up to this story, we'd know that Jesus is tired. He's fatigued. 
I think it's fair to say that he's emotionally and physically wiped out. Forget a crowd. Jesus didn't want to see anyone that day. You see, he had just received news that his cousin, John the Baptist, right, the one he grew up with, one whose mom, Elizabeth, was super close with his mom, Mary, that cousin, that John, had just been killed. He was beheaded at a dinner party with Herod because Herod's entitled little stepdaughter asked for John's head on a plate. And Jesus is holding all of that, right, amidst this, this booming ministry that he is at the center of. And so we read, when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself, right, by himself. And when the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. Friends, have you ever needed just a second to yourself? Like really needed some time to yourself? Imagine with me. You've been picking up behind your kids all day. Patiently responding to all of their wants, needs, cries, screams, fights, full-blown meltdowns. You're ready to crack, so you do what all good parents do. You turn on the TV. You pass them phones, tablets, anything with a screen on it to distract them long enough to go to your bedroom and try to get a moment, a second, a, a piece of quietness. You attempt to use your coping mechanisms. You remind yourself, this is a season. It's going to pass. You're going to miss stuff like this when they get older. As you finally start breathing again, you hear a scream from the basement, followed by the footsteps of a toddler army coming to get you. <laughs> so what do you do? You run out the door and you get on a boat, <laughs> right? So it's a stretch. But imagine with me, you run out of the house and you get on a boat and you could care less where this boat is going because you're on it by yourself. Can you imagine this boat is your one-way ticket to peace and quiet. You close your eyes, you can almost hear the waves on the lake. And you pull up to your deserted and tranquil location. You slowly make your way off the boat. You're not in a rush because it's only you. You take in the scenery. You dip your feet in the water. You decide to climb to the top of a sand dune. And on the other side of the dune, you're greeted by 5,000 hungry and tired toddlers. <laughs> when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. That's the first miracle of our story, right? The first <laughs> lesson. No, not at all. <laughs> so first lesson of our story. You, I, we can be pretty compassionate folks at times, right? Not to pat ourselves on the back, but when we're at our best, we can do some pretty loving things. But when we're running on empty, when we're tired, 
we're hanging on by a thread, we can we can be dismissive and rude at times, right? There's like no head nods, it's just me. <laughs> it's you, I know it's true. <laughs> and so this story, it starts off by painting a picture of God's never-ending well of compassion. In Jesus, we get this heavenly preview, this image of a God who doesn't get fed up with us, right, doesn't run away from the messiness of our lives, but instead a God who meets us where we are and meets us with love and compassion over and over. It's a gift. As we say, no matter who you are or where you find yourself this morning, it's a gift that's always available. It doesn't run out. So the story continues. Jesus sees this massive crowd, has compassion on them, begins to heal the sick, and then the disciples see what's going on. They get a sense of what this 5,000-person impromptu compassion fest is going to cost. And they say to Jesus, this is an isolated place. It's getting late. Send the crowd away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're tired, and this isn't in the budget. And Jesus says to the disciples, there's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. I think this is an important line. In fact, I think this is the line in this story. Right? Jesus doesn't say, don't worry, I got this. Jesus says, don't worry, you got this. You got this. And there is nothing more empowering and frightening than hearing, you got this. Some of may, you may got a couple of those while running around between volunteer shifts here. It's okay, you got this. But that's how things work. The God of endless compassion and love doesn't just fly around the world making everything better. God calls and empowers each one of us, regular old us to be instruments, instruments of love and compassion in the world. Right, God, there's so much hurt in the world. There are folks without homes, refugees without countries, kids without parents, pantries without food, lives without hope. Can you please take care of some of these things? They're weighing on me. And so often I think our prayers are met with a, it's okay, you got this. And so our second lesson for the morning, God may have a never-ending well of compassion and love, but that doesn't let us off the hook for being a part of the plan, right? Each and every one of us have a part to play in flooding the world with love, goodness. So Jesus says, don't worry, you got this, you got this. And the disciples say, yeah, we have nothing here. They say, we have nothing here except five loaves of bread and two fish. And that's when Jesus steps in and miraculously multiplies the fish and the bread into enough food for everyone. And so I guess the disciples got off the hook, right? I guess they didn't have to step up and make this one happen after all, right? So wrong. Jesus might have made sure that there was enough food for everyone, but you better believe those 12 disciples had to pull themselves together 
catch a second wind, come up with a plan for logistics, find baskets, line the people up, and distribute food for 5,000 people. Forget feeding them. That's a lot of fish bones to clean up after the whole thing's said and done. That's a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work to pull off after an already long and tiring day. Jesus might have kicked this thing off by initially leading with compassion. Jesus might have even provided all of the resources for this thing to work. But the disciples were the hands and feet. The disciples had to work their butts off to make it all come together. Now, luckily, we don't have to stretch our minds too much to connect with this story, do we? Right? We're just coming off the largest single event that this church, or any church I've been a part of for that matter, right, throws. It's a lot of work. It's a ton of logistics. Hundreds of volunteers. Eric, thousands of pounds of meat. Generators, bounce houses, who knows how many pints of beer. Fall Fest is no joke. It's no joke. And you all did that, right? You had the grit and determination in a year that was anything but easy to pull off a miraculous event for the entire community. You were a source of welcome and hope in a world that could use all the welcome and hope available to it. You're the hands and feet of God, and so well done. Well done. So what do we do next? I mean, after, after a well-deserved nap and the Bills beating the Steelers, what do we do after that? <laughs> slipped it in, slipped it in. Friends, we have 364 days until the next Fall Fest. What do we do in the meantime? Look what we just pulled off. What do we do now? <laughs> this is what I heard in our story today. God's a God of compassion. If you want to find God, go to the people and places who are in desperate need of a little extra love and compassion. You may be surprised to find God's already there. Two, I am, we are, you are God's instruments of hope, of compassion in a world that's hurting and hungry. And so, you got this. We've got this. Three, don't let the size of the problem scare you off. As long as we're offering love in a hurting world, God will provide. In fact, God has already provided abundantly for many of us. Right? If we're honest with our, our resources, we, we already have enough to make a pretty big impact. I know some of you may want me to take this conversation one step further, right? a call to action. Pastor Josh, does this mean we should be hosting a family from Afghanistan? Does this mean we should be starting a food pantry, creating a center for free counseling, buying up duplexes so that we can provide transitional housing for those experiencing homelessness? Maybe starting a relationship with local correction facilities so that we can help previously incarcerated people re-enter? Yes. Yes. Yes to any and all of that. Yes to any and everything that meets our hurting world with love and compassion. Yes to anything and everything that moves us from minimal providers of charity to activated instruments of compassion, love, and hope 
in this world. Friends, look what you pulled off yesterday. It's time to start thinking and praying about what we can pull off tomorrow. God's a God of love and compassion. You got this. There will be enough. Amen. We stand and join in the singing of our final hymn. Thank you.